Welcome to episode 27 of the Warrior Pulse podcast. I am your host, Trey Heath, and today we are so excited to have senior basketball star Herman Robinson joining us for the podcast. Herman is a senior, he's a sport management business major, and he also runs his own business. So we're going to talk a little basketball, we're going to talk a little bit about striving for athlete perfection, and we're going to talk about being an entrepreneur. Herman, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing these days? Good, trying to finish up this last semester strong. So I went right before class, uh, right before we, right before class, right before we started the podcast. You were talking about class. How are the frustrations of trying to now basketball is over and you're just trying to finish up? How hard is it that last semester to stay focused on classes since there's no sport driving you? How hard is it to stay focused on classes and then not look too far ahead to what your future looks like? Um, what's funny is, is that's always been the question throughout the whole process. Um, always enjoying the journey, always enjoying like the struggles and things of that nature. But I'm always a futuristic person, so in season, out of season, I'm always looking ahead. Essentially, I think that my hardest time is, is now because now I'm picking up more clientele. Now I'm having to manage to finish up school strong. The logistics in the uh, the behind the scenes with the administration of the business and things of that nature is tying more so into what I have to do. So it's not just all funds and games where you can be like, okay, this is kind of part time. You're growing it and you're still like nervous for the future. But now it's like it's really hitting full force. Yeah. Unlike most of the, uh, well, not most, but a lot of college seniors who are in their last semester, it's not a lot of party time for you going on right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about the basketball journey, getting into um, athletes ready to train. Um, we're going to talk about a little that, but I'm going to start off with a quote from Michael Jordan because I'm older. Michael Jordan was the man. I understand there's modern basketball players, but I'm going to take a quote. You must expect great things of yourself before you can do before you can do them. And I know coming from an athletic perspective and a business person's perspective, you might have a thought process on that. Um, yeah. Um... You just took a, whether it's a role model or a mentor um, for your life or for other people's lives and you just applied it to what you do. Um, and I feel like I do that all the time, day in, day out, whether it's in marketing, which is my minor and I know I have to apply it to my business, or whether it's just a motivational speaker, um, things of that nature, always feeding myself with positivity, such as that quote, um, and kind of understanding that there's, there's a drive behind it and it's not always... They're not always necessarily the end goal that you're looking at, but the process in between, enjoying that. So talking about Jordan for a moment, not that I'm going to talk about Jordan, but who is your favorite athlete? Um, for, for a while there was Dwayne Wade, um, just essentially because I, I just, I felt no wrong in him, essentially. Like I, I watched his demeanor and his, what he did off the court and on the court, seemed like a great guy. Um, had a great basketball game, obviously, he's in the NBA, all-star, um, has now retired, and I would say still now today is, but I'm more so persuaded more so Victor Oladipo, um, just because of a mentor that I've been under in the past two years, year and a half now, has trained him, and I've been able to see through a different lens that the guy that's off the court, not necessarily the guy that's on the court. Okay, cool. I do appreciate the uh, Dwayne Wade call out there I think the uh when Budweiser did the advertisement for him with the people that he had affected and it was that was pretty amazing but it, it you know it's 
it is funny that you talked about I love the fact that you separated the athlete from the person uh, and that's something I've always talked about is there's a lot of athletes I like in the way they go about their athletic pursuits but I don't want their personal lives or some of the things and I know working with athletes that's something that you probably have to hey watch this person perform don't watch this person live especially with the athletes you work is there is there any separation of that to you in your mind um yes i believe so um but i've always talked to uh ricky or my coach upstairs and um, just different people and they've they've always told me that at the end of the day you're gonna have to deal with their their personal life issues because you're dealing with them on one basis you're dealing with them a little bit more often than what you think you were going to do so at the end of the day you got to impact people in a certain way so whether it is listening to what they have going on with their lives and giving them some beneficial feedback then do so but obviously that's not the end goal the end goal is to affect the athlete can they perform can they stay uh, from being injured and things of that nature so let's take it back. We've, we've jumped around. Let's take it back a little bit to the beginning. Born and raised until eight years old in South Carolina. And then you end up in uh, Pompano Beach, Florida, which, by the way, is not a bad place. I spent a little time there as, as a youngster just traveling through. And you went to Highlands Christian Academy, where basketball kind of became your thing. You were... What was the transition? Eight years old. At eight years old, you're, you're at a point in your life that you understand moving and you understand friends and you understand transition. So what was it like for an eight-year-old to move from South Carolina, culturally different, to Pompano Beach, Florida? Yeah, exactly right. Culturally different. Um, a little fat boy, fourth, fifth grade, uh, moving from South Carolina. I was roughly around 150 pounds, so overweight, but I was pretty tall, so... Um, kind of counterbalanced, I grew out of it, but um, coming into a different environment. So essentially, I was already in a Christian school in South Carolina. I came back, I came down to Florida, and I was back into a Christian school. Um, the only difference was culturally, it was a little bit different. Um, there was more a cultural mixture back in South Carolina versus when I came to Highlands Christian Academy. And that, that more so had to do with the area, had to do with the pricing of the school and things of that nature. Thank God um, and thank my mother that I was able to be put in a uh, uh, great facility like that um, where it was being afforded um, and I had different opportunities. I do understand that those things come into play. Like some people just can't afford it. So then that's why the, that's why that's that culture. Um, and I totally understand that. Um, made friends, still best friends this day. Came down fifth grade all the way to 12th grade. Graduated with about 30 to 40 people. Um, very small class. Very small class. And, and like I said, the culture was different. Graduated with about three or four Af- African Americans. Um, but the rest have become great friends. Um, had maybe some racial discrepancy in our senior year and things of that nature. But for the most part, it was a great, great experience. So let's talk about that, the Highlands Christian Academy. So you become, you, you move down, you become fifth grade, you start hitting your stride. So eight, eight years old, come down fifth grade to 12th grade. You stayed at Highlands Christian Academy long enough that you started earning accolades, thousand point club, uh, all conference, uh, team MVP. So you, you develop these skills of a basketball player where you're kind of the hero 
And then enter college, and all of a sudden you're a JV basketball player. Tell me how it is, and that's what a lot of college athletes don't understand is you are really good. And then you're going to another facility where everybody's really good. How does that transition work? And then what you've achieved, not only from going from, which we'll touch on, JV to varsity, to also running your own business where you're training athletes. Tell me that journey from, I am a stud, and I come to college and I'm a JV player. Uh, it's funny, I used to always, not blame mom, but always ask about why, why didn't you move me, why didn't you move me, why didn't you move me? It's not likely for a seventh grader to move up to varsity. Obviously, I was capable to handle my own. Got to play against Prince Ali, some of the other players, Dwayne Bacon, that are in the league now. But why? Why Why was not not able to move to a different school where they said they would pay for my tuition and things of that nature? Because they saw they saw me as an athlete and they thought that they could grow me more. And I definitely believed that because they had the athletes and they had the, the facility and the, the resources to do that. My school didn't necessarily have all that. Um, that's why I got moved up because we lost all our seniors and we just didn't have the athletes. Um, so being the star for a, a amount of time from 7th to 12th grade uh, had its benefits. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, you come to college and it's just a totally different beast. Um, was able to talk to the coach before I got here. We discussed... Uh, like that he saw me play before um, when he went to go recruit somebody else. So he understands like my playing style and things of that nature and understood that I was a hard worker. So we, we agreed on to that first year being on a developmental team and then possibly moving up after that. Um, and, and it was just, it's just a fight all the way to my 12th grade year. I mean, all the way to my senior year now um, with, with getting playing time. And, and I totally understand now more than ever that like the game is not what you think it is like everybody just sees and they're like well I'm good I'm good enough you might not be what that coach needs your game might not fit that style of confidence you might not have the IQ for that confidence like there's so much that goes into this and and people just don't realize they're just like well I'm not being given a chance And, and obviously I had those thoughts also and, and that those come into play, but it's just like you gotta see the big picture. You gotta see the big picture. So it wasn't it wasn't drastic. Like it didn't hurt me. I wasn't depressed. It just caused me to work hard. So that that leads me to a question. As you were talking, the underdog status. I, I'm a huge one of my favorite cartoons is the underdog. Um, I, I I think the underdog status is something, especially when you're at Weber, you are always the underdog. We're always battling bigger, stronger, better schools. And, and is there, if you were a seventh grader playing in a, in a man's sport and then you are a 12th grader and you come to a man's sport and now you're a senior and you're running your own business and you're a small fish in a big pond type thing. Are you ever scared of losing that underdog status? And how do you handle being the big dog versus the underdog always fighting up? And that's, that's uh, interesting that you say that because it's like every day, day in, day out, I'm hearing, hey, what happens when you get to your goal? What do you do? Do you settle? Do you sound comfortable? Do you retire? And I'm like, no, because essentially I'm enjoying the journey. So like the process to get to the ultimate goal, which is to be at the top. But 
throughout that whole throughout that whole time to get to the top i'm enjoying the struggles enjoying the people that i meet enjoying the tasks that i have to do every day day in and day out the busy schedule and just interacting with people and things of that nature so Yes, there's gonna be one day where I have a receptionist and I don't pick up the phone and I, you know what I mean? And I don't have to worry about going to people and making sure they can read the contract and sign it. Somebody else is gonna handle that, but I'm enjoying going through that stuff, learning the different processes that people have to go through and, and kind of how to build a, a business from the ground up. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, the attitude I think is something that a lot of people don't grasp is you learn those things and then you appreciate the fact when you get to hand them off and the people that you give them to, you understand what they're going through because you already did it. So I think that's awesome. So quick, quick couple more touches on the college basketball stuff. Your JV year, your, your freshman year, you guys won the uh, JV conference championship. And I know it's the JV, but does it still feel good to win something? Correct. Always, you know. Winning a championship is not always easy. Obviously, there's other teams in the conference. You still have to put in work. You still have to go to practice. You still have to go to class. So there's 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 a definite good feeling about it because you've done all the work. You've stayed eligible, which is a yeah. big factor. You know what I mean? So essentially, it's like it might be for JV, but you still had to do a lot of requirements to get to that point. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. Like you said, it may be JV. Man, if you're getting the chance to compete... I go out and play tennis with old guys. We're not winning anything, but I can tell you right now, we want to beat the crap out of one another. <laughs> so I don't think it matters. It's that competitive, I'm getting to compete. Um, my daughter's boyfriend plays JV baseball here. And the other, we've watched three baseball games and, and, and it's fun. Like, I don't, I don't want them to lose. Right. So I think, I think it's, that's a great attitude. And I hope that if you're getting the opportunity to compete, and let's not forget, you're getting a college degree while you're doing that so you know and that leads to the goals um last three years you played on varsity and like you had talked you had mentioned earlier you battled for playing time and but as much as that sport is important and getting the degrees is important there was a moment that happened that you started art athletes ready to train take me through why and how art started so Seventh grade, I was working out. I understood that working out a lot would get you predominantly where you want to go, right? So essentially, if you work hard, you'll be able to reach your goals. Um, eighth grade, ninth grade, I started to be in this facility um, called IHB, Institution of Human Performance. Um, started to understand a little bit more about strength and conditioning by going to them frequently and things of that nature, and then it just clicked. And I was also with Ball by Design, and just those two programs together just showed me the, the idea of, hey, I, I enjoy what they do, and I enjoy what they are giving me, right? So essentially, the service that they're giving me is, is better me as an athlete, whether it's on the court or it's off the court, we're in the weight room getting performance work in. Um, so that, that right there, through those young years of 7th, 8th, ninth grade, I was just like, yeah, I like this thing. And so, 11th grade, I was, like, really into it, so I started to train people, right? So everybody's like, well, Herman's the all-star at school, so we should be doing what he's doing. And that's always not the case. I, I preach that all the time now, that you can't just copy what everybody else is doing. you got to work on things that you need, um, which might be different. Wise words, by the way. <laughs> um, but 
just going into that 12th grade year, understanding that I had to take four classes and, you know, what, what are we doing after that, right? And, and Herman's a futuristic person and he wants to thrive in the industry that he wants to be in. So I got an internship um, with the Institution of Performance, uh, got certified through them as a strength conditioning coach. Um, and it kind of took off from there, got here, still was doing it during the summers talked to Munez and she was just like, why haven't you started it yet? Why haven't you started it yet? I'm just like, there's just too much going on. You know, I got basketball, I got classwork. I'm not the best student, you know, but I work hard at my grades, but I'm not the best student. It doesn't just come natural. Why haven't you started it? You know what I mean? You're still doing it with all of that going on. So why haven't you started it? And so the why, the why, the why, the why just had me started. Uh, It's been going on two years, two and a half years now, um, and I've enjoyed the process. Art, art basketball, art TNF, which is track and field, um, and then we have the the performance side, and we tend to expand and branch off one more. So I love love the fact, there's so much you, you just packed into that, but I love the fact that it just was this this nudging from a professor because we're never comfortable enough. It, there's never a good time to start anything. And it goes back to, I mentioned to Joyce about, hey, we, I would love to do a podcast. In two weeks time, we were sitting down doing a podcast and we're 27 episodes in because she's just like, all right, we'll start in two weeks. And it was like, what, huh? I, I thought it would be a neat idea. So I love the fact that Professor Munez said, why aren't you started? How nervous was that moment of, okay, we're going live, to now that you've been doing it for a couple years, there's other things that make you nervous. What's that process been like? At first, I'm just like, what do I need to do? What, like, do I need to make sure I have my receipts and everything? Do I need to make sure, (laughs) do I need to call the tax person? Do I need to have an attorney? Do I need to, like, I was just worried over worried like a lot of these things don't even come into play until two three years down the road so it's like what are you worried about calm down realize what you have at hand first um and, and go with it um understanding that the IRS doesn't even look at you till you get to roughly 10 to 12 so calm down uh produce a brand produce a culture uh, market yourself be be the person that you want the athletes to to look up to, um, to admire, to um, just kind of want to go to and adhere and lis- listen to. So at the same time, it was just like worried, but take a step back. And I've had people say that multiple times, and that's what has had me take a step back. So you have this passion for training other athletes. You have a good foothold on the start of this. You're graduating in May, May 7th. Mm-hmm. It's all over. <laughs> It's all over, but it's all starting. Friday afternoon or Friday morning, whenever you're walking, what does Saturday look like for art? So um, this girl named Daniela Turner, she's Division II NCAA. She was All-American um, this previous previous year. Not this past year, that was with COVID, but the year before. Um, she was a sophomore. She got injured this year. She was able to play on senior night. Needless to say, she's an All-American. She's great. She's been texting me back and forth saying I'm going to be there in May. Um, I want to get workouts in. Let me know how much it costs, blah, 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 blah. And 
she texted me that a month ago. Last night she texted she texted that a month ago on athletes on the RB ball page. Last night she texted on the athlete trader train page, just reiterating it and just understanding that the clients are coming. Like this past week, I just got four new Zoom clients, and just word of mouth and marketing and and understanding that the the foot that I've put in the door of understanding the platforms of Instagram and different social media sites to reach out to other people are now paying off, right? So essentially, first, I'm putting money out there to brand and to advertise, and it's not necessarily coming back in. But it's okay because I don't really need it right now. I'm in college. Mm -hmm. So doing all of that front work in the beginning is going to pay off now. So Saturday, hopefully, it looks like, you know, I'm going back home and I'm possibly, you know, working out two to three people, kind of starting to network network again in my community um, and then and then going from there whether I'm getting an apartment by myself or whether I'm getting a roommate and things of that nature. So you, you talked about that Saturday going home and, and maybe training a couple people. Is, is home base in uh, Pompano? So mom moved to Tampa uh, about not last summer but a summer ago um, summer before last and it's been hard that first summer she moved, literally I had clientele, I had a whole team, a whole travel team that I was training. So what I did was I would be in Tampa, I would travel, spend a week there, travel back, spend the weekend, come back, like I was just going back and forth, it was five hours. It was hectic, got it done, um, it was worth it. It was the worth it of the experience dealing with those kids at that age now that I still know them as they're in high school, finishing up high school. It's a great experience. But home base is going to be back in Broward where where everybody is, where I've built a foundation at. Okay. And you talked about those travels. I think that's that's one of the cool parts though is that journey that if you're up to that stuff, you can you can go so many places and you know, one of the positive things of the pandemic is we've all figured out Zoom, whether or not you like it or not. And those open up options because now you can do video consulting. You can do like, hey, well, show me this mech, show me your workout. I can I can break that down. Put the camera here. Let me watch what you're doing. Has that opened more doors, or has it made it has it made it that people want that personal touch again? Which one Which one's working better for you? Um, humans are humans. They always want the personal conversation, the personal feel. Be there with me kind of uh, situation, but obviously we've all had to adapt. Um, Certain parents want the Zoom or the FaceTime um, or video chat and things of that nature, but there's also the other side where parents still want the personal. They understand that we can use masks, um, but everybody has their their level of how uh, basically where COVID is. Like If it's really high or I'm kind of in the middle or I'm kind of low, so it's based on the parents. Well, I'm going to hit you now with another old man, although he was an amazing athlete, Herschel Walker. And since you're into training athletes, if you train hard, you'll not only be hard, you'll be hard to beat. And I feel like talking with you and and kind of the where you've been through, what you're doing, you love that mentality of, hey, I'm going to train you to the point that physically you're tough to beat. How do you address the mental struggles with athletes? So, the whole thing behind IHP Institution of Human Performance is we're changing your will. 
So whatever you think your will is, we're pushing that limit. And so I think a lot of times through training, you finding another pushing point, another breaking point, you've just pushed through another barrier, whether it's in that workout or whether it's in life. And essentially, like it's just like pain tolerance. So you just build up a pain tolerance. Not obviously that that's not always good in certain situations, but in the situation that oh, in life somebody you know told me that I looked ugly or told me that I couldn't do it, you build up a pain tolerance for negativity and you just turn that into a positive, and you go on with your life and you keep striving to be what you want to be. Um, and I think that reaching that breaking point in workouts will help people you know understand that you know i can do it i can do what i want to do i like your i like your passion for i think it's awesome because there's so many times that you know michael jordan was a terrible basketball coach i mean let's be honest and many of the greats they don't understand the struggle of of the athlete they they, they're yes they work hard but they're so gifted that they just don't know how to teach it i think it's awesome when someone comes in that's that you were good, but then you were kind of put back and you've worked your way back up to the varsity level and you're working with athletes. I think I think that says something for the trainer in you and I think your passion for making others better. Where do you see art two, five years from now? Um, first, I want to hit on the spot that you just talked about with uh, you know, great players not being necessarily the greatest coaches. Um, a lot of times they do what they their tendencies were. So they're trying to build a player that was just like them. Now, obviously that works for them, right? Michael Jordan might be 6'6", he might be a freak athlete, but understand that that kid that he's training might not have the same genes. And so that's where I've kind of transferred my my training and my methodology of art basketball into more so skill training. So attacking the pure skills of the game, not putting people in simulations and saying, hey, this is how it's supposed to look, let's go, you know, and let's, mimic exactly what Kyrie did with his reads but can we find the body positions can we find the hand gestures that he did within the game mm-hmm. whether it's Kyrie whether it's Victor Oladipo whether it's LeBron whether it's Michael Jordan whether it's you know Dennis Rodman whoever it might be let's try to simulate what they're doing um, and kind of going into what you were talking about with the two to three five years where I think I will be down the road I'm looking to to work and to a point where I can be able to put something aside um, to own a facility. Um, I would love to own a facility. I love traveling back and forth to different gyms and things of that nature, meeting people, but having a home base um, and kind of being a bigger brand, whether it's adding two more or one more um, sport to the brand. Very cool. Very cool. Well. I think with your persistence and your drive and the fact that you've kind of proven what you can do while pursuing other goals. I mean, if you really think about it, going to school, most people go to college. And then there's a few that go to college and play a sport, which is is, is its own business. And then on top of that, you've started your own business. So you've kind of got a three-way thing going. I think it's going to be awesome to, to see you focus in on one thing right. and and. Don't get don't get bored because you don't have the other two. You, you know, get yourself full. But yeah. um, I kind of the whole point of that was I kind of epitomize you as a true warrior. Uh, you know, and you've been here now for four years. So what does it mean to Herman to be a warrior? Um, prime example was last year I got injured. Um, what do you do after? A 
a big thing. Um, a lot of kids find things to cope with, whether it may be drugs, alcohol. Um, but I feel like a true warrior is that person that's behind the sport. What, what are they doing next? Are they finding a way to be positive? Are they finding a way to persevere through that injury and, and fight their way back onto the court? Um, because we all can say a warrior is working hard, right? But like everybody does that. Like essentially, if you want to be great, you have to do that. So it's like the, the little things behind the scenes. If you get injured and you can't play for an entire year or half of a season, what are you doing? Are you still going to practice? How are you handling those situations? And I thought that this year um, with a couple of incidents of me having an injury and just trying to find my way back into the program as, you know, coming from an injury if I'm needed still. You know what I mean? You always have those things back in your head. You see a team doing well. It's like, well, cool. Like, I've been injured this whole time. Uh, so what good am I? Um, but understanding that being a true warrior is, is fighting through that, being pers- perseverance, having perseverance, and uh, staying positive in the situation. Awesome. Well, for those of you that wonder if you can be an entrepreneur, be a full-time college student, and play a college sport, Herman's the answer right here. He's got uh, athletes ready to train. He's a basketball star on the campus, and he's also about to finish his four-year degree in sport business management. So for those of you who are wondering if you can do it all, yes. And guess what? There will be no balance. Each of them is going to take their own time. And right before we started this podcast, he was in complaining about the class he was just sitting in because it's April. It's almost over. Why wouldn't you complain about almost being done? Because that's when we fail to see the success is right at the end. He's so close. He's moving on. He's ready for the next step. So I want to thank you guys for joining us on the Weber Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Herman. Good job, man. Good job, buddy.